0: Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, we are featuring a fellow Clubfoot mom from the UK, Emily Mellian, mother of Clubfoot Cutie Arlo and author of the children's book, Do You Have Magic Boots?, which features a child with Clubfoot and their magic boots and all the adventures they go on together. Emily and I first connected via social media and I purchased her children's book, read it with my cutie, which is just full of beautiful illustrations and inspirational messaging that's really not just for Clubfoot parents and their cuties, but for all children who have a difference alike. So Emily also has the unique experience of spending a year of Arlo's life uh, when he was actually still in boots and bar wear traveling the world and she is kind enough to give us her top tips that she found helpful while traveling with boots and bar i'm really excited to have emily on the podcast today so let's dive in hi emily welcome to the podcast i'm so excited that we were able to do this so thanks for being
1: here today Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for ages. I love your podcast and uh, just great to be a part of it.
0: I'm so happy that we're making this happen. I'm equally a fan of your book, which we'll talk about in a little bit, as is my cutie. So I'm just really excited for you to be here today. So let's just jump in and let's, I like to start at the beginning and just let me know what you and Arlo's club for. Clubfoot kind of we call origin story is.
1: yeah sure. So I found out at my 20-week scan mm-hmm. um and the kind of sonographer, you know, did did the scan and then at the end said, I think um I can detect uh in the right foot. So we're gonna have to refer you one for an additional scan with um a specialist. And I'll be completely honest, I'd never even heard of the word talipes before. So I sort of said, oh, is that like clubfoot? And she said, that's exactly clubfoot, but talipes is like the, the term that we use in, you know, as doctors, but it is more commonly known as clubfoot. So of course, I was pretty devastated as you are, you don't want any complications when you're pregnant <laughs> mm-hmm. um but I had a really great experience with an amazing team of doctors who were uh super positive and helpful and gave me lots of information um I did my own research as well. So I joined some groups online, which I found really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people were kind of at the stage where I was at, where they just had the diagnosis. And some people were years down the line where they'd almost completed their kind of boots and bar. Um, So that was really helpful. Um, The doctor actually met with me before he was born and um, kind of ran through uh, what was going to happen in terms of the casting and the operation and then the boots and bar phase. And I was able to have any kind of questions answered then. Mm -hmm. And then the day after he was born, because the treatment's actually done in the same hospital, uh, where he was born. Um, the doctor actually came up the day after to meet him and, um, to take a look at his um hips and his leg and his foot um, and introduce ourselves properly. Um, and then we started the cast at nine days old. Um, we kind of undenarred, we were given a choice whether to leave it a couple of weeks or just to get on and do it um, straight away. But because he didn't have any other health complications, we kind of thought, well, the sooner the better, really. Um, He had six casts and um, then he had the tenotomy and then he went into Boots and Bar for full-time wear for 12 weeks and then part-time wear, which I I get the impression that it differs between providers, even in the UK with us all being under the NHS, it's still Mm -hmm. different. Um, Our team at our local hospital Recommended that it was fourteen hours a day until he was five, so that's what we did. Wow, it
0: it sounds pretty straightforward. I'm sure it was like you guys. Did did you have any like major roadblocks where you had any major concerns, or was it all pretty smooth?
1: No, we were we were really lucky. Um, it was quite smooth. Um. He uh, did really, really well with the casting, and I think um, that they, they had originally anticipated he might need more, um, but because he did so well with it all, um, we ended up with just six in the end. I think originally they were talking about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, the tenotomy itself was re- really nerve-wracking in my mind, and I built it up. Of course, your child's having a, an operation, and it's a big deal especially as he was still so little um but to be honest the team was so confident and positive that it made the process much much easier we weren't allowed to be in there with him um but there was a wonderful nurse who was taking care of him and holding him throughout and um and he came out with a huge grin on his face which I wasn't expecting um and then again with the with the boots and bar phase, it you know we we had a couple of hurdles, we had some sores um and we had you know some moments where he wasn't so keen to wear them, but on the whole, really, really lucky, and it's been pretty smooth that first five years was kind of you know as as good as it could have been, I guess,
0: yeah. Well, I I feel like that's a similar situation that I have with my daughter too. It was very, there was a lot of anxiety and emotions and that doesn't, but the reality is it was pretty smooth overall, uh, especially comparative to other stories I've heard. And so I do feel very grateful that it was a smoother process Of course, we had issues, you know, minor issues along the way. But the reality is I uh, we didn't have any big time issues. So I'm grateful for that, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. It really when you hear other people's stories, it it kind of does make you slightly nervous. But it also makes you super grateful for the things that are going right. And Um this is why the the community and the the networking is just so crucial and important because it's really great to share our own experiences because everyone, everyone's journey is so unique. And, um, you know, the hurdles that we've actually found have come recently. Mm -hmm. So he's now six and, um, showing signs of a relapse now. Mm. So we've had some intervention with the physios and we're doing particular stretches. And the next appointment we've got in a few weeks will review whether he will need um additional casting or not. But so far, I mean the first five years was really, as I say, as good as it could have gone, which yeah. I'm really, really grateful for.
0: Yeah. How are you guys coping with the news of the signs of relapse how are you doing
1: um I was really upset initially at Mm -hmm. the appointment as I came out I didn't want to show the upset in front of Arlo Mm -hmm. um you put on your brave mummy face (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and I kind of always knew in the back of my mind it was definitely a potential because um you know the team were honest from day one um and I guess in a strange way the boots and bar phase is kind of like a safety blanket Mm -hmm. and you always kind of know that when they're wearing that the chance of relapse is well really a lot lower right um and then of course he's had a big growth spurt since he came out of them and it's almost like his body is trying to you know catch up or his his tendon is trying to catch up basically with the growth of his body so everything's just really quite tight at the moment and his toes are pulling inwards on that side so you know it's not the news that we had hoped for but of course we were sort of prepared for it anyway and we're doing Daily stretches and just keeping really positive because I guess that's all we can do currently.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's such an interesting point because I do think we wait as parents. It's like the five years is like when they graduate from Boots and Bar, you're so like at the beginning of Boots and Bar, you're like, I don't know if we're ever going to make it five years. <laughs> like the <Yes>. idea <laughs> of being done is so exciting. And then you get there and you find yourself being like, oh, I don't I don't know if I like this because now yeah. I have an active thing that I knew I was doing every day and now we're just kind of like waiting to see what happens. And yeah. I think for all of us, whether it went really well or not, or we had complications, I think every Clubfoot parent has in the back of their head like there is this potential that I could have done everything right and all of the things could go according to plan and I still don't have control over what happens from there
1: you know yeah, so, absolutely yeah that's the perfect way to describe it is just you you don't have control on it um yeah and it's I do always a potential
0: I, yeah I think it's interesting what you're saying too it I never thought about this because When they're babies and they're getting their casting and the tonotomy and they're going through it, they're babies. So they're not like while they may be attuned to your emotions, they're not seeing your reaction and feeding off of it. Whereas Mm -hmm. now that they're older and you're like like this, they have a better understanding of what's happening and what you're talking about and what that means for them. And how you are responding, they're going to read into that. So it's interesting that you brought that up of like kind of keeping on a brave face because I haven't really thought about that. If you get that kind of news and what that's going to look like when you're trying to process that yourself while yeah. still helping your child process it.
1: Yeah. And of course, you know, when when they're 6 they're full of questions about mm-hmm. the world and they're so aware of themselves and um you know we've always taught Arlo to be really really confident and um about talking about his talipes and um answering any questions that people have in a really positive way Mm -hmm. and so he is very very aware um so of course he had questions too and you know the the doctors are quite um medical with their terminology so when they're talking about you know if the stretches don't work and we'll have to go back into six weeks of full time um, and full leg casts Mm -hmm. of course he he understands that fully and uh the implications of that so yeah it's it's a complicated one um because you do have to kind of like squash your emotions to a degree but also talk openly about the situation with them um so but he's just brilliant he handles it so well and he's so you know um just positive I guess and I don't know whether that's come from the fact that we've always been fairly positive with the process or Mm -hmm. whether that's just his personality as well I don't know but yeah they are just so resilient and it's just it amazes me every day really how resilient they are i know
0: i i fully agree sometimes there are times where i am just in awe of how resilient she is just not only in medical but just in her whole life like the things that she's able to adapt to and process and deal with i just am like i i I don't know. Like you said, I'll never know whether that's, you know, her personality, the work the work that we've done or her experience with Clubfoot. But I, I hear that as kind of a common thread for so many parents who have Clubfoot cuties of just like that ability to be resilient is kind of built in from this very, I mean, we're straight from birth, honestly. It's like the kids are yeah. just kind of thrown into it. So you have to... Have some sort of idea that that has that impact on them, so yeah definitely. well well we wish you all the best and thank you you know thank you for sharing with us. I know that wasn't kind of the 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 theme of what we were going to talk about no. today. but I appreciate you sharing so uh, we'll kind of switch gears into what we originally were going to talk about yeah, sure. which is one of the things that one of the topics that you mentioned you have a lot of experience with which I think is helpful is traveling with the boots and bar.
1: He was three when we went. Okay. Um and so we we were in of course the the boots and bar phase. Mm -hmm. At that time he had dropped down to this the 14 hours a day. Um and yeah we uh had some big life changes that had occurred and we just thought, before he starts school, let's just have this opportunity while we've got it. And we, um, yeah, we, we rented our house, packed up things. And um, his little brother came along too, who was just one at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, the four of us, yeah, we had a year abroad. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a combination of we did... Um, some places we flew to and then some places we drove to um so we had a, a kind of mix of travel um you know in different ways The the I guess the boots and bars we we stuck to the 14 hours regardless of where we were or what transport we were on at the particular time so if we had long car journeys and it happened to fall within those 14 hours he would wear those in the car Mm -hmm. um and the same with flights if he had if we had a long flight then he would wear those too so yeah we've got a lot of experience I guess of wearing them also different climates which does make a difference because their skin reacts differently to um the silicon of the, the inside of the boots. Um, you know, in the hotter places that we went to, definitely we were kind of competing against some sores. Um, and then the colder places, you know, you want to keep their little feet warm, don't you? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah.
0: Well, what are like, I'm interested to hear what your like top tips for traveling with the boots and bar.
1: So, I would say, that my top tips would be definitely invest in some really decent bamboo socks. Mm. Um they really helped because they are brilliant at insulating and keeping the feet warm in the cooler environment. And then on the flip side, they're really um breathable and really good and natural for the skin. So they actually helped in the warmer climates too Um, and they really really helped with uh, keeping the sores at bay Okay. Um, I would say another tip is and it's a kind of you'll be able to search online to find out more information of the benefits of this but I don't know whether you've heard of grounding or earthing Mm.
0: Um,
1: it's basically allowing children and adults anybody time to connect bare feet with the earth um, whether it be on soil or grass or sand Um, there's many many known health benefits um, which I strongly believe helps to build their balance as well and use the smaller muscles in their feet Um, so we made sure that wherever we went we kind of allocated a tiny bit of our day or as much of our day as possible really to having time without anything on their feet um I guess at three years old it's such a crucial stage of development where they're you know really quite active by then um and just experiencing um Different textures under their feet, different uh, levels, and being able to um, do that in different places, I think, really, really helped him to become quite strong in his ankles and his feet. Mm.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Another tip I would say is, if you are travelling through an airport, um, make sure your boots and bar are in your hand luggage, even if you're um not expecting your time, uh, you know, your boots and bar time to fall within that time period of that flight. Mm-hmm. I would always bring them in the hand luggage just in case your luggage is lost. Mm-hmm. Um that was a big worry of mine. I thought, oh I'm gonna cling on to these because I don't want to end up getting to a new country and then suddenly realizing wow, what are we gonna do? I don't have them with me. Mm -hmm. um sometimes occasionally we had to have them scanned separately so just be aware to leave yourself a bit more time because of course the bar is metal Mm -hmm. um and the airport staff are really helpful and if you explain to them you know that it's uh medical um and if you're happy for them to be scanned separately it is pretty smooth but just to be aware to leave some extra time just in case um another tip i would say is really take the time to continue celebrating the boots and bar when you're traveling because it's so easy to become distracted with your new environment and your new experiences and um to kind of uh downplay the importance of um your daily routine with the boots and bar and I just think it's the most amazing thing for them to have you know that conversation um where it is really positive about it and you know even from really young talking about you know the adventures that they can have wearing their boots and bar and you know what have we done today and just everyday chat whilst you're putting them on every night um because I think it's easy to sort of almost, it, and maybe because we were away from it for a prolonged period of time, but almost forget that they that's a big deal. Yeah. And um, because you're so busy and you're so excited to be in a new place, as I say, you almost forget the importance of what you're doing and every single day really counts. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, that's one thing I would say, just having a lovely like bedtime routine, even wherever you are still, Mm -hmm. just that having that beautiful connection of that time with one-to-one with your child to help calm them and get them ready for sleep and talk about their boots in a really positive way, I think can help settle them if they're in a new place as well. Mm -hmm. Um... And another tip I would say is having a support to help to carry the weight during long car journeys. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is having something like, uh, for example, we had our suitcase. We actually put in the footwell at the bottom so he could kind of lean his boots and bar onto that yeah. um, because it just kind of relieves that pressure and doesn't pull on their hips. We found that he was a lot more comfortable when he had something underneath Mm propping it up, whether that be, I don't know, a couple of cushions or whatever you can bring with you. But if you are having a long car journey and you do need to continue wearing them, then that was something that was really helpful for us.
0: Yeah. I think that's such a great, uh, those are all really good tips. Like I, some of them are like very practical and some of them are very more, um, like, not as like practical, but just like ideas behind this. I can't, I never even thought about the idea of being at home. It's so routine. Like we're in a routine. It's a very clear routine. It's like, this is where we were. This is like our cutie never had a sleepover anywhere else. I mean, other than when we, when we went on vacation without, while she was in her boots and bar. Right. And so be, being able to keep that idea that you can still have a routine and yeah. the, how important that is, even if you are traveling, I didn't even really think about that. So I think that that's such good advice and I can't agree with you more about the weight piece. You don't think about that as much because by the time, if you're not in long car rides by that point, right? Right. By the time that they're three, you're kind of like, well, they're just wearing them at night, so it's not as much of an idea that they need to be in the car. But if you have that time to be able to do it, but needing that extra support, because when they are face forward, like they are just kind of like hanging down, which is just added Mm -hmm. weight to their feet. So to be able to provide that support. And I've heard other moms talk about that, even when they're doing, if their child's relapsed and they're traveling, like making sure that their casts are supported and they have full weight, support their weight. And it's just the things that you don't necessarily think about all the time, because if you're not traveling and you're just in a normal routine, you know, those aren't things that you really anticipate dealing with but
1: yeah
0: yeah i love those tips thank you so much for sharing them i think that's such a important part for parents to think about even if you're not traveling for a whole year and doing all this grand adventure we all travel and we're all out of our routine but that ability to kind of adjust to that and take into consideration what that looks like with the boots and bar we did the same thing when we traveled airport. And I always recommend that it's like, carry it with you. It's like, it's just like (laughs) anything else, because if you lose it, if, if you lose your luggage, then, and you don't have that, it's a necessity. And so you have to bring it, but it's, it's not like carrying some pills. It's like a big bulky thing. So you have to accommodate, (laughs) you have to accommodate that in whatever carry on luggage. We were always like, who's going to carry the, where can we fit the boots and the bar during, (laughs) during travel? right?
1: Very, very true. Yeah, we, we, we traveled really light, you know, we only had hand luggage the whole time. We, but it it definitely took up quite a bit of space.
0: (laughs) Yeah, more space than you anticipate bringing because you're like, oh, it's like, just a a little bit more cumbersome than the rest of your carry on stuff (laughs) um in that vein of kind of celebrating so you talked about like celebrating the boots and bar and talking about the adventures I feel like that leads us into kind of chatting about your book is that where the idea came from was the traveling um
1: for the book do you have magic boots yeah definitely it 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 was Arlo completely that inspired me um in, within the story there's a page uh where he is camping with a friend mm-hmm. and the friend um spots the boots and bar in the tent and asks you know what are those mm. so Arlo goes into describing them in a really proud and positive way um And that actually happened in real life. So we were camping in France and, um, you know, he had met a new friend and they were playing in the tent and I overheard him talking about them in a really positive way. And it was the first time I'd ever heard him talk about them not to me. Mm. Um, And the way that I overheard him being so confident about it And, you know, the friend being so intrigued, just kind of sparked this idea. And I thought, wow, you know, this could, this could help other children, because, you know, I've been part of these forums for six years now. And I hear parents, you know, say, my child's really struggling with, um, you know, wanting to wear their boots and bar. Um, And I thought, this may be really, really helpful to other families because I could write a story that's really kind of uplifting and um, encouraging.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, it's definitely where I got the inspiration. The The name Magic Boots mm-hmm. um, was actually when we found out at our 20-week scan um, that he had talipes in the first place my husband and I kind of thought well we've got to go into this really positively and we knew that five years was going to be like a really big goal for us to get to Mm -hmm. so I said well why don't we plan something in our minds that we can work towards and we can talk to Arlo daily about it and if we ever have any kind of moments where he's not feeling so positive about wearing them we can have something to look forward to. So we actually planned where we're going this coming February to Disney World. Mm. Um, We've never been, ever, and we're super excited. Mm. And I just suddenly had this idea and I thought, let's just call them Magic Boots from day one. And, And then we'll have this goal in our mind that we'll celebrate the end of his five years of wearing the magic boots by going to, well, the most magical place in the world, apparently. <laughs> right. Wow. So, yeah, that's kind of where we got the name Magic Boots. And then, yeah, the idea for the story definitely came from him having that conversation with a friend in the tent. Um, And then the actual story itself is kind of, it's set in the Hawaiian Islands. Yeah um which we were lucky enough to spend two months um traveling around we we went to the four main islands um and we are really really big into showing our boys um about the nature and the world around them mm. and um so we spent a lot of time snorkelling out there and really Arlo just fell in love with it mm. and um, was so confident and picked it up really quickly. And we learned so much about the amazing sea creatures out there that I was really inspired by that too. And I just thought, you know, as part of the storyline to have some really fun dreams with his magic boots it's such a different environment to England where we live Mm -hmm. um which is beautiful in its own right full of history and architecture and woodlands but it is a world away from Hawaii Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I just thought you know let's make it not a book solely upon um talipes or clubfoot I don't want to focus because that's not who Arlo is mm-hmm. yes he has talipes and that's something that he lives with but that's not him mm-hmm. as a whole um so I really wanted the book to kind of touch upon um the treatment process at the beginning to show other children that you know it's it's not as daunting or terrifying as you know uh we think it might be and to help parents too because it is just the fear of the unknown isn't it when you go into the treatment process um but then I wanted also the book to be really magical and have another side to it that you know was I'm a teacher so I kind of (laughs) naturally added in a bit of you know um teaching children about the world. I think it's really important. And, um, you know, the amazing creatures that we have living in it, I just thought that was a really important aspect to add in as well. Yeah, Um,
0: I thought that was part of the book that was really unique in comparison to other books that are geared about boots and bar and geared towards, you know, toddlers about their experience was that it was a combination of that. It wasn't just about the boots and bar. It was all these other adventures and learning experiences and about Hawaii. And I thought that that's what made it unique in comparison to other books that I had read uh, on a similar topic. And I'm all for the more resources available for kids uh, as they get into that age, right? Like where they, they need some representation, but they also need some normalization, right? They need some representation of like, this is, this is me. I feel like I can see myself because this is another child who's wearing boots and bar, but also normalizing their experience as toddlers too, right? So that they have that adventurous and asking millions of questions and inquisitive mind of this is just a part of me it's not all of me but it is a part of my learning experience and my growing so i thought that that was such an amazing part of the book
1: oh thank you i'm really i'm really glad that kind of shines through because you're completely right i think um Both of those things are equally important to me, representation and normalisation. And I think um, it being such an uplifting book and really encouraging children to believe that they really can achieve anything they want to achieve. And, you know, yes, ultimately, everybody's journey is slightly different and people may have bigger hurdles or hurdles at different times. Ultimately, I I guess my job as a, a mum, I saw it to, to be really positive about the process and um I, that I really wanted the story to kind of highlight that how amazing our children are. You know, Tallapese or Clubfoot is um it's underrated sometimes. Teaching people What our children have gone through to get to that point Mm -hmm. where they can walk or run or jump or whatever the milestone is at that particular time is just so important to share, I think. So the story, I think, is brilliant for not just people uh, who have children with talapis or clubfoot, but I think for any other child as well, just to learn about the process and learn how we're all so different and unique and how we do overcome amazing things Mm
0: -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't agree more as a fellow author I'm always interested I always want to hear and I don't know if everyone else wants to hear but I like to hear about your uh publishing journey so you decide to have this book you 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 write it it's illustrated then what do you do like where do you go from there
1: (laughs) that's a really interesting question I found it. Uh, just a huge learning curve. Yeah. Um, it was a big dive into the unknown. The reason I went into it is because I felt really passionately about wanting to create a story that was positive for people. Um, and so I had this idea. I'd written it during our travels. I'd come back. I'd found this amazing illustrator who worked really closely with me and did the most amazing job and then yeah you're right and you think wow what do I do with this now? Um, I did contact some publishers but to be honest the market is so so difficult to get into Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just thought this is never going to go anywhere unless I do it myself so I spent hours and hours researching looking at YouTube videos uh, connecting with other um, self-published authors um, getting as much you know information that I could really tips um, and advice and I just thought let's just give it a go and see you know Mm -hmm. how I get on and yeah I've made some mistakes I'm I'm pretty sure along the way (laughs) and it's really difficult the marketing side even when you go through all of the hurdles and eventually you have this beautiful product that you're so proud of printed in front of you you then think well how can I reach people how can I you know really get this out there to to help and to make a difference um So, yeah, each step of it has been a bit of a learning curve and uh, definitely a lot harder than I originally anticipated. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's something that I'll adores and I feel proud of. And, you know, the feedback that I've got has been so positive and um, it's really touched people, you know, who have had children who are going through the same thing um to have their child represented as you say. Um, so that kind of you know, yeah. yes, yeah. it's difficult to get it out there, but ultimately the people who I have reached and who have given me all that amazing feedback, it's really it's just it makes it all worth it, you know, even just helping one person has just been so rewarding for me. Um, yeah, and I love I love it when people send photos of their little ones reading the book. I just I'm really passionate about books and reading lots with our children anyway, and the fact that they're seeing my own son's story is just quite amazing, really. <laughs> yeah, it, that
0: <laughs> anyway. is incredible, and I do think at this age when they're emerging readers, like. My cutie is out of boots and bar now and yet, and she's just, she's in kindergarten and learning to read and she's like so voracious about it. And so that being able to have a book that is geared towards that, that he can see himself represented in and use as a, as a reading tool, I just think would be incredible, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's so different from my book, which is so adult oriented. It's like my cutie's on the cover of it. So she can say she's, you know, it's about her, but it's not, you know, it's not in the same vein where she's going to be reading that anytime soon. So it's a little bit a step removed. So I think that that's must be a really special experience for you guys.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Definitely well worth it
0: <laughs> if people want to find about more information about your book or where to purchase it where do you where should they go
1: uh i have my own website and currently that's the only place i'm selling it um uh so it's emilymallionbooks.com um okay and ho- hopefully you can link because <laughs> trying to spell my name out is quite tricky <laughs> Yes, I'll put it in the
0: show notes so that everybody can just click on that. And I know that you have an Instagram page, right? Is it that under the same name?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, yeah, that's it at the moment. And um, reach out. Contact me. I'm here. (laughs) That's awesome. I
0: think I always like to... Wrap up the podcast with the same sort of questions. Um, everybody knows I'm kind of a moments person. So I'm interested to hear a standout moment for you. I mean, I'm sure I can only imagine, honestly, the mm-hmm. amount of moments you've had traveling because traveling, I only do such a, you know, like once, twice, three times a year where we travel. And so those become really big moments because you're like, it's out of your norm. But if you're yeah. doing that a lot, I'm interested to hear what you have as a out <laughs> moment for yourself. And a lot. Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah. You are completely right. Gosh, there's just so many yeah. experiences that, you know, uh, will stay with me forever. And so many different countries have their own beautiful, unique um, things to offer. And However, (laughs) this particular moment that I always get emotional thinking about it happened to be at home (laughs) at um, Arlo's cousin's house. Um, And it's where he's got two wonderful older cousins who have always been super amazingly positive and supportive of him. And Arlo's always been exceptionally um nervous of anything uneven under his feet so anything like a bouncy castle or a trampoline or you know the, the sort of um the balance logs that you can have at parks and things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for years and years he wouldn't go on anything like that and um it was actually the first time that he went on his cousin's trampoline And he would, he climbed onto it. He must have been, I think he was four. It was just after we got back from our travels, actually. And they were so encouraging with getting him to climb on. And he just sat there for ages. And they just had this beautiful moment where they all just sat down and were talking and they didn't make Carlo feel uncomfortable for not wanting to jump at all. And out of nowhere, he just stood up in front of them and just started bouncing. And I just I was watching from the side and I just burst into tears because I just thought doesn't seem like a big moment. And lots of people, you know, the children going on a trampoline isn't a big deal to them at all. Right. But knowing the build-up and what we'd gone through and experienced and knowing how nervous he was of anything like that. And then to have him surrounded by, you know, love and support in a really non um pushy way to have such a an amazing moment was just yeah, it's the best feeling. It really is. It was yeah the, the the look of joy and achievement on his face was just something I'll never forget. <laughs>
0: That's such a beautiful moment. I think it's such a testament to how small things become such a big deal and those things that in all your travels and all your experience it's something as small as your child feeling confident enough to jump on a trampoline that stands out. You know, it's like those things as a clubfoot parent, you hear, I hear time and time again, it's just those tiny moments that become big moments because of all the work that you and your son and your family have been through to get to that point. And on the outside looking in, it seems so small, but in reality, Mm -hmm it's such a huge achievement so
1: yeah
0: yeah, it's beautiful thank you for sharing
1: no you're welcome thank thank you so much for having me it's been great to chat and um yeah, yeah, and, and answer some really interesting questions because uh, hopefully they'll they'll help some people. <laughs> yeah, for sure, um, loved it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a guest
0: and making this happen and sharing your story and for putting your beautiful book into the world for all the other clubfoot cuties and parents and kids alike. So thank you for thank making you. that happen.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm really really pleased that your daughter loves it too. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah,
0: she loves she loves it. She has loved, you know. One of the benefits of being in this role is of you know starting to create resources and the podcast and everything is that I it opened me up to a lot more items for her. And so she has a large library of a bunch of different books that are all about this which I don't think I would have had for her or no even the knowledge about if I hadn't done been a part of the community in the way that I have ended up being. And so it's been so gr- it's been so great to have her have so many different options and all the different books that she loves and that she feels really represented her story and she can see herself in other people. And I feel it like, especially as toddlers, it's so important for them when they get to that point where they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But it's like, oh, but all these other kids, it's not just me because it can feel really isolating of, you know, like I'm the only one that has to do this, you know? And so I think it's just such a beautiful experience. So I appreciate your creativity and artistry and putting it into the world. So Thank you. Thank you. No, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I want to say a big thank you to Emily for being a guest today. It was so fun to have you on the podcast and learn more about your Clubfoot story and your book and all of your travel adventures. If you're interested in purchasing, do you have magic boots? You can go to Emily's website, com. I'll also put that in the show notes so you guys can just click it. And it might be a great gift for whatever cutie you have in your life. As always, thanks for listening. And feel free to share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from it. If you would like to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at maureenhoff.com or my Instagram account at ClubfootChroniclesMom. Until next time.